Good morning, everyone. Our message this morning comes from Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 21. And I'll read those for us before we begin. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself would be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So I blew through a comma there. I apologize for that. But um, So last week we talked about being heirs with Christ. And if, if we're heirs with Christ, then we um, receive the inheritance of God, uh, namely the kingdom of heaven. But we also are joint heirs with Christ in that we receive everything that is <coughs> afforded, pardon me, afforded the heirs of God and we are made part of the kingdom of God through adoption there's only one naturally born son of God and that is Jesus the Christ the only begotten son we all sons and daughters are adopted into his kingdom so this week we we look into the first section of uh, considering future glory and considering the things to come and we're dealing with suffering today as we begin i'll read verse 18 again for i consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us so that's a that's a this is paul speaking does paul know anything about suffering yeah, we discussed on Tuesday night in our Job study that um, Paul and Job could have had a, a good discussion about the nature of suffering. Uh, each of them uh, in, experienced in their lives tremendous suffering. And and Paul is is making a statement that says, you know, I don't consider the sufferings of my life to even be worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. There's a, a philosopher, uh, John Stuart Mill, that, that postulated that, that if, God is, if God is good, but he can't stop the suffering of his people, then he's powerless. But if God is able to stop the sufferings of his people, but he doesn't, then he's not good. And I think this is an easy mindset for for people to get into i think we i encounter this when i talk to people how can a good god let a a bus with a thousand people on it go over a cliff in peru how can that happen how can a good god let something like covid happen or or aids or uh how cancer how can a good god let these things happen and this is this is a question that we encounter and and maybe we maybe we ask this question, or maybe our mindset is is this way, because we've had to watch loved ones suffer and die, or um, maybe we have some malady in our own flesh. We have some some pain or some suffering that we live with, and we 
we have a difficult time reconciling that with the goodness of God. But what Mills fails to factor in is the problem of sin. And we as Christians need to be very careful not to make that same mistake. See, it isn't that God lacks goodness. It's that we lack goodness. Wholesale, totally, we are without goodness. The sin of Adam and Eve that brought the fall upon creation, it didn't just affect Adam and Eve. It affected all of mankind. If, if you think of, of Adam as the federal head of mankind, sin and the fall has corrupted all of, uh, all of the generations that came from Adam and Eve, all humans. But also, it was a curse upon the land. All of the world is under the curse of sin. All of the world has this sin baked in. We see things like earthquakes and, and volcano eruptions and, and tsunamis and all these natural disasters. And it, it, it is the, the way of every generation to say, man, have you seen how many hurricanes we've had this year? Probably means the end times, right? More likely things kind of go in cycles. Or we say, man, global warming is going to destroy all the earth. Whereas if we had like a 500-year uh, picture of what the temperatures were, we would probably see some big cycle that we're unable to see because we haven't been keeping temperature for more than 150 years. And then it wasn't very accurate when we began doing so. So, we, But we, we see these things, and but we, we see this evidence of sin. If you're a scientist, you know entropy is in every system. That means every system from its inception is breaking down. Everything wears out. Um, everything that, that we build, everything that we see, every house that's ever built will break down. It's sad for us. We like old houses. We see old houses like the one out here by Lowe's just kind of fall into disrepair. And when we were in high school, they built a house on, uh, on 11 on the way to Mount Sterling. Big, beautiful house. Got it partly done, and then it sat that way. 25 years somebody just bought it this last year but it just sat there and decayed and fell apart so we we see that so we understand that there is decay in the world we understand there's suffering in the world we've all have to varying degrees experienced suffering so how is god good how can we say that god is good in the midst of that suffering we have to understand that sin is the cause if if um if you don't believe me stop sinning just cut it out all the way together and tell me how that goes this sin is, is baked into us so it's not the god's failure to be good it's our inability to be good and the reason that we see suffering when it comes on us as so heinous when we have a pain and say why is this why is this happening why is this so bad the reason for that is, is because we have God's grace during the other times. Our understanding is that we deserve goodness, we deserve health, we deserve to be pain-free, we deserve to have plenty of money, but the reality is we don't. The reality is the wages of sin is death. 
and we have this rebellion against God. And because of that, because of that sin, we are, we are, we have suffering in the world. Have you ever thought about the impact of your own personal sin on the whole world? Have you thought about the impact of your personal sin on this body that you are a member of? If, if you put your foot in a wood chopper, does the rest of your body suffer? Yes. If you are a part of this body and you live in sin and you choose to indulge in sin, you are affecting this body and the body as a whole. That's a different, that's a different passage of scripture, but we are, we are connected. We are together. So we need to, to understand that we don't need to complain and grumble and shake our fist in God's face when we suffer. We need to praise God during that time that we haven't suffered all along. And this suffering is a, is a light and momentary affliction. The picture that paints to me is this time. I'm sure everybody's seen the Francis Chan video where he's got the big long rope. He's got a little piece of red tape on about one inch of it. And he's comparing our present existence with eternity. And of course, that's a bad metaphor. All metaphors are bad. We can't fathom eternity and we can't fathom the glory that waits for us. We can't understand it. We have nothing good enough in this world to compare it to. When people say things like, man, I hope I can play golf in heaven. No, you won't care. I hope I see my dog in heaven. I know you loved your dog, but no, you won't care. You will not care in the presence of God. That, will, that won't even be on your radar. So verse 19, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Why would the creation, what, what is the creation waiting for? What eager longing? What is it, is it, what's it want? Well, we can look at Psalm 98, 8 through 10. It says, let the, or 7 through 9, let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let their hills sing for joy together before the Lord. For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. So the earth is groaning. The world is groaning. All of creation is groaning for justice. It's groaning for justice and for joyous, um, joyous redemption to be redeemed, to be made right before the fall. Heaven was, heaven was on earth. Eve was, or Eden was perfect. Eden was the perfect cohabitation. God walked with man in Eden. But since the fall, everything has fallen into ruin. So it, it is groaning with this joyous anticipation of the redemption that is to come. It's built in. If we look at verse 20, it says, For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. Futility. Is there a worse word? Do you ever, do you, does anybody like doing the same thing over and over again and getting no results? If so, we'll have some dishes in about three hours and I'll set you to them. 
dishes, laundry, they never stay done, right? You ever you ever be washing dishes and you're like, well, this is great. I'm going to be back here tomorrow doing the same thing. We inflict that harm upon our children because there's, it's a reality of life. And it, wait till you get a job. It's another, you know, this mundane thing. And, and it's very easy for us to get in this mindset of, of this vanity. This is so wasteful. Why am I doing this over and over again? Have you ever been in a valley in your life where you, you recognize this pattern of sinful behavior and you, you feel hopeless? Here we are again. Am I ever going to get past this? Is there any way out of this? Has Christ abandoned me to my sin? And we feel this futility. What's worse than that? I mean, that's, that, that's, that's an incredibly hopeless thing to feel the futility uh, that nothing is going to change, that our, our labor doesn't matter. But this isn't the reality. This is an appearance of futility, and this is what we're, we're dealing with. Uh, for the creation was subjected, subjected to futility, not willingly, but it, on appearances, we look at the earth and we look at creation, look at all these things, and it doesn't seem to matter. Scientifically, we boil down the creation, we boil down humanity as we're just, we're just animals like any other animal. We just have a life cycle and that'll end and then it'll go and it all seems sort of futile, but that's not the reality. God doesn't waste anything. God doesn't waste our, our suffering. Our labors in Christ are not in vain. The things that, that we do, that we seem, uh, as a parent, as an apparent of two adults, I've, I am keenly aware of this. Things that I did as a young father that I thought were absolutely useless or made no difference have obviously made a difference. If I could go back to myself, I would encourage myself, enjoy every poopy diaper. Enjoy every, every time that you, that, let's go play ball, let's go ride my bike. Enjoy each of those moments because they're valuable. How much more so in Christ when we labor is our, is there, is our labor valuable? First Corinthians 50 or first Corinthians, uh, 15, 56 through 58. The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. It seems vanity. And sometimes we are spinning our wheels. Well, sometimes we need to look at what we're doing and, 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 and evaluate those things. But in our, in our labor for Christ, in our, our daily work, in our daily uh, lives, we see this futility, but everything is going somewhere. That's why I love the, the, the big God story, the, the children's storybook Bible. Everything has a start 
and it is all moving somewhere, and there is an end. And that end is God's glory that we can share in for eternity. This is what we look forward to. We can be in this broken situation. We can live in this sinful flesh, but our hope is in Christ. Our hope is in what is to come. Because in verse 21, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. This, this is what we want to join in on. This is the, this is what I want to be a part of. I want to be set free from the bondage to corruption. Can you imagine a day that you don't wrestle with your sinful nature? Can you imagine a day when your desire is for the things of the Lord and you don't have to fight yourself? You don't have to, to toil against the old man. This is what we look forward to, to be set free from the bondage of corruption. Now, for those in Christ, our joy is that now we, we are set free. We still are in this sinful flesh. There's a day coming when this sinful flesh will pass away and we'll be in the presence of God. But for now, we have freedom from sin in Christ. So in summation, this, is, this, is, this section... Paul is dealing with his current suffering. He's dealing with the reality that the church in Rome has current and future suffering and that everyone who reads this following will have suffering. Two weeks ago, we read that that we can be raised with Christ if we suffer with Christ. As Christians, this is our lot. Our lot is suffering, but it isn't in futility. It isn't vain. It isn't going nowhere. It's not suffering for nothing. There is an end to it. There is a, there is a day that is coming when all these things will pass away. So for us, our consideration is, are you in Christ? Are you living according to the Spirit, which leads to life? Or are you living according to the flesh, which leads to death? This consideration, this, this thought, this idea is this is the most important thing you'll think about today. Paul tells us we need to test ourselves to see that we're in the faith. If you are a believer in Christ, then, then testing is a joy. Because if we find ourselves lacking, then, then, then we, can, we can adjust, we can be disciplined, we can be corrected. But if you're here without Christ... Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that, that we, we can turn from our sin, that we can ask God to forgive our sin, that we can ask that we can be set free from this bondage to corruption. Otherwise, the suffering that we have now is the most joy we'll ever have. This is the least amount of suffering you'll ever have apart from Christ. But in Christ... This is the only suffering that you'll ever know. Let's pray together. Most gracious God, we're so grateful for Christ. We're grateful for his life, for his death, for his resurrection, and for the hope that we have in his return. Father, all, all of our hopes hinge on Christ.
And we are confident in the assurance of salvation because, Father, you are a good God. You keep your word. Father, you are powerful. And you are loving and merciful. So we pray, Lord, as we continue our service today, that that, uh, these things would continue to percolate in us, that they would continue to churn in our mind. And, Father, that we would worship you today according to your word. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.